0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. We are your morning show for any hour. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here, as always, with my friend, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. And we've got a great show for you today. We've got some 2024 talk because it's really, it's never too early. Even if we try to avoid it, we, we get sucked in. And so we're going to get sucked in today. We have some talk about, ooh, I want to talk about Louis C.K. and Marie Kondo. So we're hitting, like, all, all sorts of stories, the dirty and the clean <laughs> How's it going, Vic?
1: Hello, Mary Catherine. It is going fine. All things considered, I'm feeling a little bit older today. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say wiser, just older. <laughs> That's uh, a Taylor
0: Swift ly- lyric, you know. Is that
1: right? That's just how feeling- you are. I'm- <laughs> So, I mean, I
0: have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser.
1: No, all I do is look back and say, oh, I should have done this or that. Not that I was necessarily, am going to do it now, but you look back on it. So I got a, I got a great phone call, however, this morning from one of my best friends. I've known him since first grade to wish me a happy birthday. And he says that the good news is my best days are ahead of me. He had spoken to some entrepreneur who became very successful and he didn't, start the big business until his 50s uh-huh. so i said oh well there gives me hope that gives me hope and the other thing is also equally important he is he loves the show
0: oh, or nice. at least
1: at now the politics are a bit much for him i think but he does love the chit chat
0: that's what i'm at talking about he
1: he thinks the banter
0: he wants he to hang it. out with vic you know over he, and, the mary podcast.
1: and mary Catherine. and and i think there are probably a few others I might feel it. that way. Yeah, I love so, it. Uh, so, oh, by the way, by the yes. way, let me say this. I remember where I was when I turned 40. Do you know where I was? Where? On a cruise ship with you. Oh, which, which one was, where were we headed? I had to go back in time in my head. So obviously it's 2023. So 2013, it was the trip. That included Puerto Rico, Old San Juan. Yes. Do you remember yes. that?
0: Yes, I was pregnant and fake drinking on that yes, cruise. Yes, John McCormick
1: I... told me he noticed it, but I, I was completely oblivious.
0: I had not yet announced, so I was faking.
1: You're so crafty. The, the, the nice thing about turning 40 on the ship was you were surrounded by octogenarians mm-hmm. and who would tell you, man, I wish I was 40. So young. Yeah, it's half their age. And so I was like, oh, I, I feel pretty good now. And so now I feel like I'm okay. I'd say I feel better than I I was like seven years ago, health-wise. I think yeah. I, mean, I mean these things happen and, and very happy with, you know, wife, children, job, everything is great. No, no complaints. No complaints. I love it. Except love for it. my teeth. No complaints.
0: My my fortieth was like a special kind of sad because oh, I remember. Because it was the very, very beginning of the pandemic. Now it was only sad just because it's like a milestone birthday and you're supposed to do something big and there was just no way to do anything because it was April fifth. Was that, that
1: spring or summer twenty twenty.
0: It was April fifth of twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> no one's no so, your children your children, your husband, nobody can be near you, by the way. Nobody can nobody's <laughs> you're allowed. Sit, they have
0: Sit in a room by yourself. Yeah, yeah you should have um, been in
1: the basement alone.
0: I'm you know. pretty sure some friends dropped because we didn't we didn't know things at that point. That was very early. It was weird. And everybody was taking really serious precautions. I remember one of my friends came over, dropped off cupcakes, and she was wearing a mask. It was the first time I had seen someone wearing a mask. Someone dropped off a birthday card in a Tupperware in case I wanted to take the option to like let it air out first. I mean, it was like- You know, people sprayed down their groceries. These were strange times. So that was my yeah. 40th. So I hope my next milestone birthday will be a little bit more glorious. My kids and my <laughs> husband did a, did a nice job of of making it fun. By the way, another another fact for your 50s. Laura Ingalls Wilder didn't start writing her books until she was in her 50s.
1: How about that?
0: And she's, you know, that. that's one of the most storied series of all time. It
1: is. It is. is it? I, it's too bad she didn't live long enough to see the amazing TV show. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Memorable. So Michael Anderson. You know
0: what? The thing about the TV show is that it leads people to the books.
1: Okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "What? There was a book? It's so good! Well, It's so
0: fantastic! What? That's the older nice. is
1: it true? The old in the, in the in the TV show, the older sister she goes blind. Does that yeah happen? that
0: happened that happened in real life? Oh, oh. Yeah, she had God. was it Scarlet Fever, I believe.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yes.
0: Yeah. So, how
1: are you? What's segue going
0: on? from Scarlet
1: F- <laughs> yeah. Fever? Yeah, here's a, on a lovely uh, note.
0: You no, know, much like the Wilders, I have several children.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And yesterday, and your husband,
1: your husband is also very much a mountain man, very capable yes. of living in the, in the great outdoors.
0: He doesn't have that accurate colonial Michael Landon hair. Remember?
1: It was very, uh, it there. was wild. It was wild hair.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, yesterday, my husband had to be out of town. So, I was on my own with four for part of the day, which is good. You know, I got I to gotta get my reps in, uh, I got to practice.
1: A, that's a handful.
0: But there's certain logistics that you just don't realize until you have four kids. There's just an adjustment period where you're like, oh, gosh, there's another one. So I had a doctor's appointment planned for the newborn. But I accidentally planned it at the time that the girls needed to be picked up from school, the big girls. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. And I have, I have an au pair who can help out. But I walked out and realized, oh, we only have one car because my husband's gone. So I ended up going to the pediatrician and doing that thing where you're sort of like trying not to be pushy, but you need to get out of there quickly because I did need to see the newborn. I did need to have him seen. He had a- so he,
1: You tried to pull off the just squeeze that appointment in and yes. then do oh, both. Oh,
0: I'm always not that person. Wow. I'm always that person. So we just didn't have another car. So there wasn't another way to do it if I wanted to go to the pediatrician. Yeah. So I go because I really wanted him to be seen. That's and scary. wouldn't you know it? The pediatrician got me in and out of there. First of all, I got there early, which never happens to me. But I decided, okay, let's let's mm-hmm. see what we can do to to stack the deck in my favor. I got there early.
1: Did you tell the 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 staff? No, that, but I was oh, just kind of really hoping that
0: things. Time. It looked pretty empty in there. Okay, good. So we got in and out in about twenty minutes. So that's impressive. I I was able to do the pediatrician appointment at three and pick up the girls at about three twenty five, three thirty, which is like just on the border of late, like. Enough that your children will resent you and talk to their therapist about it at some point, but not so late that the school's mad at you.
1: I was going to say that they mark you tardy. No.
0: (laughs) So I did that. And then that evening, because I realized I forgot to take my other child, the dog, to (laughs) doggy daycare yesterday, that he was going to be losing his mind. Okay. We have this species of dog, by the way, named the smartest species in the world recently. Is that, that is right? a real thing. Yeah. Belgian Malinois. Yeah. Anyway, but they're the smart, smart and energetic. And as a result, if you don't exercise them regularly and they don't have a job, they're going to get like a little crazy, a little crazy.
1: They need to get out.
0: And they're going to chew things. And they're just going to be yeah. a little wired. So it had been raining or snowing for the past couple of days. And so dad, again, the separation of duties, normally takes him on a walk and throws his ball for him. So that he gets his right. jollies out out there, and I had four kids and the dog, and I said, you know what? We're taking the dog out because he didn't make it to doggy daycare. He's gonna lose his mind. Now, I did not take them all the way to the park, which is where Dad goes. What I did was I put the toddler in her little car, yeah. like we have a little car stroller for her that she loves to sit yes. in, and so you, uh-huh. you push her in her little her little coop. So <laughs> she was in that. I put one of the big girls in charge of that car. I put.
1: Oh, they the, like that, right? They I put like to the the, push. I think they like to do that. I controlled. put the
0: newborn in the stroller and I pushed the stroller, took both girls and the dog and the, the little chucket to throw the, the ball and took them basically just 20 yards away to the side yard where there's enough room to just throw a ball a couple of times.
1: But and we stood you over got everybody there. out.
0: We stood over there in the cold with you know occasionally rocking each either the toddler in the car or the or the baby in the stroller to keep them from crying. I taught the uh, the oldest to chuck the ball a little bit better. We we're working on form a little bit and and it was a successful outing working and the dog, on
1: form on throwing
0: yeah, you gotta you know
1: Man, I should have been there for that <laughs> just teach me
0: so we got some skills acquired we got the dog taken care of, the baby was seen by the pediatrician, everybody, everybody succeeded. And so as a result, you know what I did when everybody went down for bed? I had a glass of wine and some fancy cheese in my bed watching
1: Netflix. That is well-deserved. Absolutely. (laughs) I thought you were going to treat yourself to a big fat burger or something because I could go for that. I did
0: not have the resources for that at that moment nor the energy but, to make anything. Yeah, I was going to so. say, that's
1: a full day. Wine and cheese is a pretty good day to wind down. And,
0: and by the and, way, the reason I did that is because I realized I forgot to eat dinner. So, you know, we're, we're going to drop a ball at some point, okay?
1: It's nutritious, <laughs> depending on how much. We have so much leftover cheese in our house that like yesterday, I found myself trying to clear out a brie. And let me tell you something. There's only so much brie you can have.
0: Yes, it's and true. I like the rind.
1: I, I'm surprised there are people who don't eat the rind. But if you read like a
0: rind person,
1: oh, if you read like Ruth Reichel, for example, when she grew up, and uh, and, 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 and not in France, but you know, her friend whose father was a French diplomat and taught her the whole thing. You got to eat the whole thing. It's 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 good. it's good. It just tastes stale to me. It's it adds character. <laughs> is that she, the word for it? it? It is. It's character. It's it's, it's funky. It's funky.
0: I got some all these fancy cheeses in a care package from a friend after the baby was born. Yes, and
1: hard, soft
0: uh, combination, mostly hard because they were shipped, Mm -hmm. so they they were hard forever. Yeah, yeah. And I used several of the fancy cheeses to make Martha Stewart's fancy mac and cheese. I don't know if I talked about that, but it was. Really delicious,
1: like you just melt them into the thing.
0: Well, you do a bechamel sauce and then oh you my bake God, a the
1: mac and, ch- and
0: the ch- mac with the yeah. bechamel and the that's cheese really in the oven, and it's fantastic.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: So that's what's been going on here.
1: Amazing, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm you're making, making like it Marie Kondo of like other things, yeah, like you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure what those things are, but it's like everything but. But I yeah, like, I'm not
0: I'm not Marie Kondo in the traditional sense, and we're gonna to get to that discussion. Uh, efficiency. Okay, first
1: 2024.
0: Oh man. 2024. You know, which is funny
1: because you, I keep on thinking it's further away than it is, but that is less that, like I.
0: No, it's not that it's far away. No, it's not. I should have said, you know, speaking of more children than we can handle, let's talk about 2024.
1: Oh my gosh. Rick, this, kids,
0: yeah. All right. Well, here's, here's the big question, Vic. And the question was posed in a piece by McKay Coppins in The Atlantic this week, whether the Republicans can get out of their doom loop. <laughs> so the, it <laughs> opens with this. Press them hard enough, and most Republican officials, even the ones with MAGA hats in their closets and Mar-a-Lago selfies in their Twitter avatars, will privately admit that Donald Trump has become a problem. He's presided over three abysmal election cycles since he took office, he is more unstable than ever, and yet he returned to the campaign trail this past weekend declaring that he is, quote, angry and determined to win the GOP presidential nomination again in 2024. Aside from his most blinkered loyalists, virtually everyone in the party agrees. It's time to move on from Trump. But ask them the plan to do that, and this t- discussion quickly veers into the realm of hopeful hypotheticals.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, rather, it's rather fitting that today is the day that we're taping is Groundhog's Day. Because we're repeating 2016, aren't we? With well, that's the lot. question. Are we yeah. just
0: on the same? It feels like we're just on the same railroad track, heading in exactly the same direction, and no one knows how to change switch. There's no switch guy. We need to switch. Yeah.
1: No, I, I, think, I think that's right. And everybody's, you know, putting all of the, the weight on to Sanders and saying he's the man, he's the only one who can stop Trump. Trump has done this before. He's run. He's run a successful okay. campaign. So he's all in. And he's yeah. not bad. There's not, you know, the idea. And some people have been talking about this and suggesting, oh, you know, if when Trump realizes that he can't win, not the nomination, but a national election, that maybe he'll decide to be some sort of an elder statesman and like a kingmaker. No, he's in it to the end. And it, it his, you know, he's old and he yes. looks a lot. You know, we don't see him on TV as much as uh, obviously as we used to when he was when he was in the White House. But you look at him now. Even with all the bronze, the bronzer and everything else and, and, and spending a lot of time in, you know, the, 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 the tanning machines and everything else and having very carefully tailored suits, he's old. Yeah. And what are we going to see is, you know, two old people going at it politically and, 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 and it's like, I don't, I don't think we can get out of that cycle. I don't know. Are you hopeful?
0: look, I think I'm one of the people that, that McKay refers to, not specifically, but I'm, I'm in this realm where I'm like, surely we can not do this because it seems unwise to nominate the guy who is most clearly has the chance to lose to a Biden instead yeah. of one of the people who might win. However, you know, he lays out, let's, the, the hopes are maybe he'll get indicted and his legal problems will overwhelm him. Maybe he'll flame out early in the primaries or just get bored with politics and wander away. Maybe the situation will resolve itself naturally. He's old after all. How many years can he have left? Like, I don't really cling to any of those. And yeah. I, so I'm not really, I'm not really magically thinking. I'm just trying to figure out what is the different path? And I think, mm-hmm. I think Coppin sort of overstates the the base of the party certainly their desire to move on from trump which is you know that's the issue is there is there this divide between the leaders in the party and and those who would vote in the early primary states and further even if there is a desire among the base to move on from trump from some yeah a trump who has this incredible name idea he's now a former president Mm -hmm. can do winner takes all primaries win a couple and rack up what he needs it, it doesn't right. have to be an overwhelming desire to have him yeah. be the nominee. And
1: if you're able to remove the things that Trump says and think about the things that he has done, he has a track record. He can say things were much better four years ago than they are now when you ask yourself that proverbial question and you look at the job numbers, you look at the economy, you look at foreign policy, any number of these things, we were in better shape before any of this inflation stuff, before the woke policies started to penetrate, not, you know, emanating out of the administration into the general government, into the bureaucracy, into our schools and everything else. And I'm going to put a stop to that. And in fact that goes to his big speech, that, that very long speech he gave, where he talked about, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to, you know, remove, you know, woke and CRT from our curriculum, do all of these things. And it sounds great. It sounds mm-hmm. great, except there's somebody who's already doing that,
0: right? As a governor, <laughs> <laughs> yes, DeSantis, and we're going. We're, I'm going to get to their throwdown.
1: Yeah, it is a throwdown.
0: But I think the yeah, the problem with Trump is that his, I mean, there's as always several, but his track record includes January 6th, his own mouth, a presence that's soon to be restored on some of the more traditional social media sites, probably, mm-hmm. and a fixation on 2020, which is just a backwards looking position and one that will not speak to voters in a general election. So he's handicapped by that, which is why he's going after on another possible weakness of his. Yeah. He's going after DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who just won by 20 points in that formerly purple state on covid Of all things.
1: quite remarkable.
0: So he he said this week, he's still using Ron DeSanctimonious, the revelations about Ron DeSanctimonious doing far worse than many other Republican governors, including that he unapologetically shut down Florida and its beaches, was interesting indeed. DJT, leading big. This was a truth social post. It's not strictly speaking the truth. He didn't shut down beaches. In fact, he argued for them to be open, but some municipalities did Shut down beaches in the very early going, and as we all know, he DeSantis was not a lockdown governor, and the Mm -hmm. state was reopening by mid to late April of 2020.
1: Of 2020.
0: Of 2020. Yeah. And this just this criticism, this particular criticism, just doesn't pass the smell test.
1: No, I. You know, DeSantis said, and he's doing the right thing, by the way, by only referring obliquely to these attacks right now from Trump. Actually, let me.
0: Let me play him real quick for us so we can get a... Let's get Ron on the record here. He was speaking in Florida.
1: I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. you got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win reelection, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida.
0: There you go. He, he's going to he's going to continue to do his some version of the line check out the scoreboard.
1: Yeah. It's kind of drive DeSantis though crazy because He's got a full-time job, more than a full-time job. Being the governor of a state that is, I don't know, double the size of Sweden, right, in population or whatever, many, many countries. You're running a a state that is larger than many countries' populations. You got to deal with natural disasters, which he does very capably, like with the the last hurricane.
0: In fact, that Uh, was was the exact time that the last volley from Trump came was as he was
1: getting- In the middle of doing other better- He had more important things to do. And and yet, you know, his opponent who lives in his, is in that very same state- His constituent. You know, he, he, yes, a constituent. It's a full-time job, you know, 24-7. You live it, you breathe it, you eat it, you sleep it. And we are now only 11 months away from the Iowa caucus. And later in the month, in next January, is going to be the New Hampshire primary. That's a hard job for DeSantis right now to pull off. And on top of that, having to remind people, no- I did not shut down the beaches and was not a terrible governor. If you remember, (laughs) if you remember anything, everybody was shutting down everything. In the spring of 2020, nobody knew how this thing was being spread, what this thing was. The question isn't who shut it down because everybody across the board shut down, including the president, you know, supported shutting things down at least for a while. The big question was who was going to open it first? Who's right. going to have the courage to say, "You know what? This thing, based on what I've read, the studies, the data, everything that's coming in, you know, you know in in, in short different pieces of information, putting it all together and saying, "Hey, I think it's safe to open beaches, which sounds insane now, but people will worry about that <laughs> in parks and everything else. And I think it's even more audacious. I think it's safe to reopen schools. With kids going into the schools, you can have the kids masked fine, but into the schools because that's very important. Yep. who did that first? It wasn't New York. It wasn't Michigan. You know, it wasn't California. No. You know, I'm pretty sure well, Florida was in the lead.
0: And this is just so for for better and worse, whichever way it lands with various voters, that is Desantis's brand. Yeah, and that is why he wants to run now because his stock is mm-hmm. hotter now than it would be. Yeah four years from now, because some people say, "Why well, just he should just defer to Trump and then wait for his chance. Well, Chris Christie had a moment in 2012 that he passed on, and then things didn't work out in 2016. Also, if you're going to wait around, you're assuming that Trump's not going to continue to run every... <laughs> Single time,
1: right? Well, into his eighties, into the twenty thirties, into the twenty thirties, because he is, you know, strangely. I mean, we all make fun of the doctor who says he's in great health and all, but he seems unstoppable. Yeah,
0: no, he's you know, he is in great. He is in great health.
1: People have. There are people who are simply born with good genes, and I don't know what the truth is behind Trump's numbers. Remember how. Secret Service or FBI that came into the other doctor in, the, in New York, in the Upper West Side, and you know, Trump's old doctor took all the records and it's gone. So we don't know. But something tells me he just has good genes. Plus, he doesn't you know
0: drink. What, you know what I always say? Mean people live forever, man.
1: I mean, yeah, they do. There's something about the meanness that just keeps them going. But, but no, I, you're absolutely right. The Sanders needs to do with, with what Obama did in 2008. I mean, people are saying it's Hillary's turn and she was going to run regardless but he said, nope, this is the window. He sees it. He sees the momentum and he's going to do it. And DeSantis has to know, even though he's not going to be able to finish his term as the governor, a great governor of that state, you don't know what's going to happen in the next four to eight years. There's so many other variables. He's going to strike while the iron is hot. But again, again, trying to make people forget how attacked and vilified DeSantis was opening. Oh, for I know. Well, and
0: this, this is... is what's hilarious is that there's actually my friend Guy Benson, I'm quoting here, writing in town hall. And what may have been the most revealing development in this little skirmish was a tweet that was published in response to something that Guy posted. It cited one headline about a Florida beach closure precipitated by county level officials, which happened in the earliest chaotic days of the then mysterious pandemic. I've already explained the context for such headlines, but they've been shared quite a lot by Trump fans eager to do their part to spread Trump's attack line. One such tweet came from someone named Amar Musa, who I assumed was part of the Pro Trump Online Army. Wrong, or perhaps right, actually, just in a surprising way. Mr. Musa may effectively be acting as part of the Pro Trump online army, but his job title is Rapid Response Director at the Democrats. So that's right. When the Democrats are doing rapid response for your guy. Maybe we should think about what that means and what it meant in 2022 when Democrats backed their preferred yeah. right-leaning candidate in primaries. By the way, all of those folks who were backed and made it to the general or MAGA-type folks ended up losing. So yeah. these, we should take a lesson from that. I don't know if we will. My friend Matt Lewis, who writes in The Daily Beast, wrote a piece Saying DeSantis and Haley need to find, and we'll get to Nikki Haley, who is going to announce shortly, it seems. DeSantis and Haley need to find the strength to attack Trump. I think that you have to have the strength to attack him. I'm not sure that the timing is now. Yeah. Because one of the reasons Trump is a very, very tricky figure, because when you give him oxygen by answering his attacks, he's still winning. Like, yeah, he has a, he has an amazing capacity for this. And so DeSantis is responding without responding, which I think is wise at this yeah, point.
1: That's what he has to do. Uh,
0: it's the way that Biden won was to give Trump very little oxygen and let him sort of self immolate in the By, way that Biden, he will do.
1: Yeah. Biden just hunkered down in his home with all his secret documents. Yeah, sorry, but no, it's it's no surprise. It's no surprise that de- the Democrats are going to boost Trump because, as you just said, it worked for them in the past. It worked for them in the midterms to split the vote and, and support MAGA candidates. And they spent millions of dollars on candidates, and this worked. And then they get the and they get knocked down. And not only do they want to see Trump and DeSantis tear each other apart, but they actually want to see Trump prevail because they think he's the beatable one. And that's who everyone else and the press, they're all worried about the Sanders. We got to go after him. That's, who, you know, direct our fire on him, find some way, let Trump do the dirty work for them. And against Biden, I think that's probably Biden's best chance is to face Trump. Whereas if it weren't Biden, if it were, say, Kamala Harris or somebody else, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or whoever, I think Trump has a 50-50 yep. chance of yep. winning. <laughs>
0: Well, Democrats for their part also should not, should be careful what they wish for, right? This this happened in 2016 where they thought he was going to be totally beatable. But the reason that we're headed down the same track is that a bunch of people want to jump into this race, which is going to split the vote. If it were head to head DeSantis versus Trump, I think that's like an honorable fight. These two Mm -hmm. go head to head, the voters make a decision. And I think likely that DeSantis might come out on top of that. When you have a split Primary between a lot of folks, and it looks like there are many, many, many who want to run, including such folks as maybe Larry Elder, who mentioned on the Megyn Kelly show that he might run. Sununu, well, he does take
1: takes those energy pills,
0: yeah. So he Sununu. he
1: will have the energy to get through the campaign.
0: Is it Chris Chris Sanunu is the governor of
1: yeah. New Hampshire, very popular mm-hmm. there, a, more, a
0: place where DeSantis would likely win, but not if Sununu is on the ballot right. in his Favorite home state. Song. He might want to run. The only one we have. A possible announcement date from is Nikki Haley the former governor of South Carolina. Obviously that's powerful for her in South Carolina which is one of the first 3 states in the primary process. She was also ambassador to the UN and exited the Trump administration unlike many other officials without much tarnishing to her reputation. However, since then she has had disagreements with Trump that put her on the wrong side of many of the Trump supporters. So she does, I don't think she has as much potential nearly as much potential as DeSantis does to marry the two co- coalitions of more establishment Republicans with MAGA Republicans. She also said that she would not run against him in 2021. Well, you she, know, the situation said, on like, the ground
1: changes, as they say.
0: Right, right. Well, it's interesting. She's going to be asked questions about that. I'm sure she has an answer for it. But in 2021, she said, no, She she would support him and she wouldn't run against him.
1: Yes. Nikki Haley went against Trump after January sixth. She spoke yes. out against that. Well, and, and some... he's going to remember that. And what what worries me is, you know, Trump will go after her, and I just have no idea what her nickname is going to be. Considering oh. considering oh. Coco
0: Chow. Cons- no, exactly. You're totally right. Do you
1: remember? Do you remember Trump going after Carly Fiorina Fiorina for her hair? You know, she's yes. just been recovering from chemotherapy. And and some people you... seem to be fine. it. it's like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she said I would not
0: run if President Trump ran, and I would talk to him about it. That's something that we'll have a conversation about at some point if that decision is something that has to be made. Apparently, she has talked to him in the meantime, and he said something non-committal like, "If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do."
1: <laughs> I would hope. I would have hoped for a voicemail. I would try to find. Oh, oh he's in the middle of giving a speech right now. I'm going to call yeah. and just leave a real brief message. <laughs> hey, tried to reach you. Just by so, the FYI, way. I'm running.
0: So she will likely announce, it looks like, February 15th is the date for that. That's right. So the this, the stage is being set. DeSantis has, I believe, his legislature in session in Florida until late spring. So I would guess, A, that he has a plan for exactly what he's going to do already because mm-hmm. he thinks about these things. The and fall. B, that it will not be until after that is over that's uh yeah
1: guess. i th- i think that's right again for somebody like nikki haley she gets to campaign 24 7 now if she decides to run she doesn't have another job she's not governor although she was a very much loved governor who crushed her re-election by the way yeah brought well, jobs I, to the state and everything else it's uh, yeah
0: i think first of all the former governors is a, is a good resume and then she added po- foreign policy to it the problem is that if you don't have a current gig as governor, you have to respond to every single news story and you have to respond to every Trump jab. And I think that that helps DeSantis because he can be like, look guys, I'm I'm doing this. And Nikki Haley has to be like, I'm doing only
1: this. (laughs) Right. And she's got to, it's got to be so depressing for the candidate who does not have a full-time job in public office and spends an entire year preparing to run for office and win, and then they lose, despite having all that time. Anyway, I can, I can think of countless, especially on the Democratic side in the last few cycles, and it's like, man, they had all this time to prepare, and they still blew it like nobody, yeah. w- nobody wants you. What, what surprises me on the Republican side is I keep on hearing Chris Christie's name pop up still, like oh, really, yeah. after all this time? Look, here's I feel the thing. like that moment has passed.
0: Well, here's the thing is that I feel like I'm the voter that would be more friendly to a Nikki Haley, to mm-hmm. a Chris Christie. Not really a Larry Hogan, but look, I'm I'm the one you're trying. I'm the one you're trying to woo, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's gonna happen, guys. And yeah. we don't need so many of you, Mike. Larry Pompeo, Hogan, another and, yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The book came out. These are always the things. You know, you get your book out. You know, plan for life. You know, future of the country. You know, this is your view. This is how you lay out what your plan, and then boom, off to the races. Yeah.
0: I mean, give me a Chris Christie in a radio interview any day. It's fantastic. But do I think this is the moment? No, nah, yeah. I don't think
1: so. Also, you know, much Christy, much like DeSantis, not really, from what I hear, one-on-one, a very friendly guy.
0: Oh, I think he's fun.
1: Oh, and Christy, uh, Christy. Christy's, Christy's very... Christie is very famously sort of combative, and I've seen him. Yes, in action. I think he's it's very. Impressive.
0: Well, frankly, he's very New Jersey. He's he's. he's
1: very New Jersey. He's uh, animated,
0: but, animated yeah. and combative, but yeah. kind, to me, in a very entertaining yeah. way. Yeah, so
1: I think he's got that going. I'd like to going. see how he is. I mean, again, I've just heard this secondhand from people who have interacted with him. Not really nice. DeSantis is just not. He's just awkward. Awkward. It's not that he's a mean guy. DeSantis no, is kind of socially awkward. And I, I think. But he can, has time to work on this i
0: have well i have I have met him, and his his team seems to signal that they know that this is a weakness mm. of some kind. Mm. Now it didn't keep him from winning by twenty points in Florida. we must note, but I think he's gonna have to learn to marshal, for instance, the personal story of his family and mm-hmm. his wife overcoming cancer. She's very charming, and using some of those personal stories to to build on that, the thing about him is that he you can see. The stats running through his head. You can see that he's thought about things. And yeah. I like that in a candidate. I like somebody who's maybe a little too into the numbers mm-hmm. and data and yeah. comes to good conclusions as a result and is a leader as a result. But not all voters are looking for that guy. So you gotta, you got to figure out how to bridge that gap. Real quick, two Democrat updates. The Justice Department searched Biden's beach home this week. Yes. I mean, I can only assume... They're like, well, if we're searching at Penn and we're searching in Washington, D.C., let's we might as well get a trip to yeah, Rehoboth throw out Throw in Rehoboth, us. yeah. And so they went to chill at the beach house for a little while on a planned search of the Biden vacation home. I th- This makes perfect sense to me because he's shown an inability to keep these classified documents out of any of his homes. Mm-hmm. So they're searching there. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, continues to insist. Well, she insisted before that all of, The documents had been found. She said that many, many times. Now she says, you're going to have to talk to White House counsel. This is not my gig.
1: I'm wondering how the White House can claim that they are being transparent when the FBI search of the Penn Center, Penn Biden Center, that happened months ago was not proactively disclosed to the public. And what should the public take away from the fact that you are keeping information like this from the public? Look, I'm going to be uh, very prudent
0: from here. I'm going to be very consistent from here. Uh, I'm just not going to comment uh, anything that is related to what is currently happening. This is a legal process. As you just mentioned, my colleague was right outside these doors answering many of your questions. He has done that these past couple of weeks, I believe four weeks now, and he'll continue to do that. Uh, Anything that is specific, to this, uh, to this particular process, I would refer you to the Department of Justice and uh, also, again, my colleagues at the White House Counsel's Office.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering how long she's going to stay in that job. Yeah. The, I think the, the, the big thing to keep on saying now, before it was the, the transparency, stressing, you know, he takes it very seriously, transparency, that's not really working. Now it's fully cooperating. We are fully cooperating, beginning yeah. now.
0: Right, right. Not before when we knew this was no, happening. no, no. It didn't disclose
1: it. Yeah. So now with the Rehoboth search, they didn't find anything. Is that correct? They not doctors,
0: to my knowledge no, yet. No. So
1: um, uh, they, they, you know what? They probably found. They probably found multiple half-filled bottles of Coppertone, because that always happens. You ever notice that? There's oh, never one everywhere. that's. You, there's just like multiple half-filled. I can't, just
0: you need close. so many. Yeah, and many then s- one last update.
1: Various SPFs.
0: Yeah. The DNC has the nerve. The Democratic National Committee and National Democrats. Have the nerve to consider? Oh, yeah. What American city for their national convention in 2024? That's right, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, home to Jim Eagle, alleged.
1: That's right. Bull laws,
0: which of course we found out. By the way, there was, a, there was a recent poll that found out found that black voters, at the exact same rates as white voters, found that they had a good experience voting in Georgia. The nonsense about that law was just that nonsense. The media has yet to reckon with its misinformation on I'll this, never this, and they never will. They but don't. now, even though you we couldn't play the MLB All Star Game in Atlanta because of this law, though this law is still on the books and has overseen at least or has been part of one election that had uh, that had huge turnout on all sides, we can have the DNC there now. It turns yeah. out,
1: do you Isn't that do you nice? Think that- you think the Democrats were disappointed there wasn't more suppression? <laughs> or don't you think they were hoping that the, 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 the turnout would be lower so they can say, we really need to pass the see we told you, the Voting Rights Act?
0: But you why? Know? You get your cake and eat it too, you know?
1: Uh, that's exa- Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, get, uh,
0: you get to s- smear the entire state. Yeah. The press will go along with you, oh. and then you get all your voters out anyway.
1: And all those big companies that threaten to move, Coca-Cola among them, Good you progress. know, all it, all it especially with MLB, it's just it's just political cowardice, because you know they can't stand up to those bullies. They cave, and then okay, everything's fine now. Let's forget the fact that Denver or Colorado has more stringent laws anyway. Nobody's gonna, no, no. one's gonna bring it or, up except for if you're Fox.
0: Or for instance, oh, I don't know, Delaware, the president's home state. By the way, Governor Brian Kemp, who oversaw the passing of these laws, his job approval after crushing Stacey Abrams for the second time. Is, is soaring, soaring in the state of Georgia. Again, whenever the media tells you that a state is a terrible hellscape, you should probably yeah. just move there because it's like being it's right. really well-governed <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and things are going quite well. And the, the voters seem
1: to agree. <laughs> well, I mean, they must be worried about, you know, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock aside, Democrats must be worried about the Georgia trending back to red again because of the otherwise very dominant margins of victory yes. for Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger going down the line with the exception again of that Senate race. And they need, I mean, they obviously they're not going to, they're just going to say, let's forget about that whole voting rights thing and, and boycotting Georgia because we need to yeah. win Georgia because they're not going to, Florida and Ohio, I think they're just going to write that off now, right? Yeah. There's no way By they're the going get that.
0: I just found the number. Kemp is over 60% approval.
1: Yes, I mean people are talking about him for 2024, right? Although I couldn't pick him out of out of a lineup.
0: I don't think he wants to run. I think you would know more about him if he did, because he has the the resume to give it a try. All right, from the oh by the by the way,
1: really quickly, talking about I was thinking about this the other day. You know, political convention locations. Still, for me, I'm always amazed that the 1964 Republican National Convention. Was in San Francisco. Jeez, I, you're not gonna see. It. it was a different time. It was a different time. It they a had a different it at time. Pass. But wow. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. From the Republicans' doom loop to public health's doom loop, can they escape it? The answer is probably not. At the Yale School of Public Health, Dr. Oh. Megan Raney, an internationally recognized public health leader investigator. Mm-hmm. Advocate and clinician scientist will become dean of the Yale School of Public Health on July 1st. The only problem is she was one of the leading fear mongers about children in COVID, about masking as just sort of a zealot on that front with very little nuanced thinking. My friend political math, Matthias Shapiro says, this is humiliating for Yale and part of the ongoing death of public health. She was one of the loudest voices telling people that COVID vaccination stopped the spread. She said natural immunity wasn't effective and supported mandates for kids.
1: You know, things just are going moving so, on up. Yeah, Ooh. no, <laughs> I was I was going to also say things are going so well at Yale you know, Law School they figured they might as well spread that you know good fortune with the me- medical school a- as well. But I mean, just like we were saying with with the media in other situations, there's no reckoning. You know, I mean, F- Fauci is still you know non contrite. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's out there. He's in the private sector. And with the exception of, you know, a few outlets like Fox or, or podcasts like ours, you know, the, the media is basically still giving him a pass, despite the fact that, you know, I mean, it's very clear mistakes he made, gain of function. And it's the same thing with Rani. You know, she can be completely wrong, but nobody's going to call her on that. And not just wrong,
0: gonna, but yeah.
1: but lying to people. I mean, yeah, she, she's too.
0: exaggerated hospitalization and death data. She's done this stuff about kids' facts when the data is right. not there to show it. By the way, new signals for young people show that with the bivalent booster, there's the a similar risk of myocarditis and pericarditis. You, yeah. um, you, which you can't even again, talk about that. There's small risks, but so is the risk of COVID to these children. And yeah. the idea that we told a bunch of kids that in order to play soccer they had to get this is just a send to me. Yeah, and oh, she that's was, right. She was one of the folks who did it. And there will be no reckoning for her. The reckoning is that she gets a really big, cool job.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very uplifting. You're right. The, 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 <laughs> no, it's- You're welcome. Uh, they would, you know, it became a requirement, you know, to go to school, to participate in sports, to go travel. You, you need to get that shot. You need to get the booster. You need to do all these different things. And, you know, for, there are a lot of people who needed it and they got it. Great. And and, and particularly if you're old or immunocompromised, Fine. But this didn't have to be a thing where it was everybody. It should have been, again, up to you. I'll tell you what's weird. We were talking about on the last episode, May 11, being the end of the COVID emergency, according to Biden. And uh, (laughs) Put it on your calendar. Yes. So The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Colbert announces to the audience, he makes a joke about it. It's the end, May 11, blah, blah, blah. But then he says, you know, I, I wish I could see the smiles on your faces. That whole audience is still masked. Gosh. I mean, don't they? Still, they they, they got to see like what's going on in Congress. You see Nancy Pelosi hugging everybody. Everyone, nobody has a mask there anymore. No. They're done with it. But there are still places where this is still an ongoing thing. Well, the colleges to me are really
0: reprehensible. Oh, They're just having twenty somethings, eighteen to twenty two year olds, yeah. update their boosters all the time as a requirement to go to class masked. Yeah. Three, I mean, four,
1: five shots.
0: How much are people paying for these educations? Don't yeah. stop. Yeah. You should not. All right. So Meg and Randy won't be canceled, but you know who was? Louis C.K. There you go. Louis C.K., let's do a little update on him. There's a, <laughs> a a woman's sarcastic rant on TikTok went viral because Louis C.K., who was canceled during the Me Too era, for things that he did that were genuinely bad. And we have a family yeah. show, so I'm not going to get
1: into it too much. Yeah, but uh, several, To himself, but, you know, yes. subjecting people to that.
0: Several women were subject to him enjoying himself as as,
1: uh, you know in in the words of george costanza's mother you know treating your body like a circus okay
0: in sort of professional settings like this is very bad behavior it's very obviously bad behavior he apologized for it did not deny it i don't unless he denied it very early i don't don't think he did though i think he just fessed up He eventually owned up to it though terrible behavior he lost a bunch of deals with hbo he had a movie coming out that was canceled it's been several years and he was at Madison Square Garden because he has a new tour and Madison Square Garden was sold out because a bunch of people decided that they knew this information, but that they liked his comedy. This is the young woman on on TikTok stands in front of the Madison Square Garden. It's actually pretty clever. Stands in front of the Madison Square Garden billboard and says this
1: i just say something kind of controversial but like hear me out can we stop canceling guys who are such wonderful brilliant artists over like hearsay like women have stories of them being creepy but like nobody knows the real story and like yeah sure a couple people have the same story but like okay just so that we could tell that story that guy never gets to work again like even if he admits to it and he pays a settlement or he apologizes their career is forever never reach the same level of success they can't sell the same number of tickets. They can't do what they love or pursue their passion anymore. It can
0: ruin their lives. Like, literally, we're ruining guys' lives over this. <laughs> so she's standing in, time, or in front of Madison Square Garden, in front of his billboard while she says this. And I guess the question is, a lot of, a lot of people on the left said, look, cancel culture doesn't exist because he's been able to rebuild. What's your take, Vic?
1: I don't know. I, you know, I, I listen to that. So she's being sarcastic. In other yes. words, she's okay. She's like, look, uh, oh,
0: this guy's, this guy's life is ruined, and his billboard is right, right behind her.
1: Sold out, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, it, you know, it's a, it, it's a testament to people again acting as adults, and we, that we treat them as adults, and that they can make their own decisions for themselves. That hey, you know. The information, you know what this guy did, you know this, it really is up to you. If you want to go see him, then you see him. And if you don't, if you say, no, I don't don't approve, then don't see him. And should should just be left that that these whole canceling, you know, the the campaigns, it really is, I don't know. It depends. I'm not the biggest fan. I I know he's good, Louis C.K., but I mean, I don't have a problem with people wanting to see him if that's- No, see, that's
0: the the thing is like, I don't like this thing where we point to three people who are extremely powerful and extremely- rich and they overcome their cancellations whether it's for something which like honestly with Louis C.K., warranted for him to have lost some stuff over this yeah in other cases like jk rowling the cancellation oh. is just an attempt to thought police her but the idea that very 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 the powerful belief people... which, which
1: until the, by the way the belief about only being you know about being two sexes basically and gender identity, right? right. You're either a boy or you're a, or you're a girl, depending Yes. On, you yes. know, biologically, Bi- what you were born as, with very small exceptions, that for until like the last 10 years or so, we have believed forever. Yes. And suddenly now yes. we're supposed to think that there are like, you know, 40, so, 50 pronouns. So
0: my concern is that we we don't dismiss the idea of cancel culture because a couple of very powerful people are able to overcome it. I actually had a conversation with George Will about this when we were, when Guy and I were writing the book, End of Discussion, still available on Amazon.com. When we were writing End of Discussion, we talked to him about an attempt to cancel him at various, his syndicated column. And he be- he had sort of a casual attitude about it and said, look, I've, I was able to overcome this and, you know, it's not that big a deal. And here I am still in many of these newspapers. However, he's George Will, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. He's George Willie has a lot of clout. He has a lot of pull and as does JK Rowling, as does Chris Rock, as does Louis CK. And that the reason that we wrote end of discussion back in 2015 is because I saw this trickling down to regular people who do not have the clout and the power and the money to foot the bills for their own yeah. jobs or creations or whatever it is to overcome cancel culture. And so- on one hand, Louis C.K., I think he was punished for his behavior, and I can't begrudge too much that he can rebuild in some way. I don't yeah. want to systematically say, no, these people who want to see Louis C.K. should be barred from seeing him by what? Yeah, their forever. banks? By yeah. the venue? What, how do we do that?
1: Right. Right. I always thought that the turning point in the cancel, uh, the cancel culture war was the, the woman who accused Aziz Ansari. Oh, my gosh. Of I'm not quite sure what she was trying to accuse him of, because I don't think she said I don't think she went so far as to say it was rape. But I mean, it was they were it was just a bad date. No, it was just and everything that happened was consensual. She could have left at any time. And then she stayed. And, you know, again, family show not getting into the details, but you know what I'm talking about. And he is who he was, but he did it. It's not like there was no force used. He didn't trap it. It locked it. Nothing. No, that one was... was just a date. And. Well, yeah. and this
0: and this is the I mean, the and woman. People in the read video, that like,
1: wait, where? What? What was the charge? What no, happened
0: here? Yeah. Well, and the woman in the video is being sarcastic, but there is a spectrum, and there there oh, are sure. people who have been ruined by things yeah. that are hearsay or things that are not offenses, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm torn on it because sometimes I I look at guys like I think Mark Halpern is still very gainfully employed after many many disgusting accusations against him, credible ones. And, you know, I get a little riled up about that occasionally, especially when, you know, here I am still not on CNN because I tweeted about Jeffrey Tubin that time. Yeah. So yeah, there know, does seem to be I got, different yeah, standards. I got, I got, I got good standard. news and
1: bad news for you, uh, Mary Kat. The good news is you won't be laid off by CNN. The bad news is we're just not going to have you on. So, so.
0: <laughs> so anyway, the, I think the thing I take away from it is yeah. do not dismiss cancel culture because very powerful people can come yeah. out on – rebuild after several years Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't i don't think that takes away the fact that for instance like a a who was the guy there was some guy i believe it's california who was just a riding around in a company truck he was like a utility worker or a construction worker Mm -hmm. and he someone saw what they thought was an okay symbol out the window which has become for the very online a white supremacist thing someone took a picture of it Tweeted it and the guy was fired. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is that's a form of cancel culture that that guy can't overcome because he right. is not J.K. Rowling yeah. or Louis C.K.
1: So <sighs> people panic. And again, it's all about cowardice and, and, and being unable to stand up for the right thing and caving. So, all
0: right. We're going to run long today because I want to talk yeah, about are. Marie Kondo.
1: We're going to. Yeah. Qu- this is big. Can I ask you a question about Marie Kondo really quickly? Yeah. Right. And she's Japanese. Yes. She's mm-hmm. Japanese. What is the demographic breakdown of Marie Kondo followers men versus women?
0: That is a good question. What I do know about Marie Kondo is that she, when she wrote the the life-changing magic of tidying in <laughs> I think it was around 2015 or so, okay. It was one of these sneak giant bestsellers. I don't Amazing. think the publishers were anticipating it. Yeah. But I think that there is a real issue in particular this is a problem of prosperity by the way in prosperous western nations where you have access to a lot of goods for not a lot of money and those goods pile up
1: yeah it's a, a, and a maybe, real first world problem
0: right exactly and maybe you buy things because you're getting a deal and not because you mm-hmm. actually need the thing mm-hmm. and people have a real desire to live in a calmer and more organized state. And so Marie Kondo spoke to that, and she had a whole system by which you would declutter your entire life. And it included, for instance, let me run through the condo, the way of condoing your condo or house. You would start with your clothes, for instance. Let's just do clothes. Oh. You take every artic- article of clothing you own, put it in one space, all piled up on your bed, for instance. And then you would go through every single article. And you would hold it and look at it and decide, does this, quote, spark joy? And if it does not, if it does not spark joy, then you
1: give it away away to charity.
0: And one of the actually one of the things that I liked about it, because I have I have condoed parts of my life before. I need to do that. Is that because I have a tendency to be too attached to items that are that have memories associated with them. Of course. And so she says what you should do. And I was like, oh, I'm so here for this. You thank the item for its service to you before you pass it along <laughs> to Goodwill or to the trash or wherever it's going, yeah. and I am 100% there for that. Okay, so that's, that's a brief study on the Marie Kondo method. I would say probably more ladies
1: yes. are in. I was going to say 90-10. Yeah. I only know of Marie Kondo, like, through, I don't, I've never really, I've never watched her, per se, but I yeah. know of her, and I know what she does, and I admire the neatness. Very
0: Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm just I can, can I say that? He's you're mean, allowed so. to say that. Just you, just you. They're, they're uh, a clean folk. But she's okay. she's been in the news because it says oh, this is a CNN report on it. Queen of Clean Marie Kondo admits that tidying up is no longer top of her to-do list. Posting on her website shortly after the birth of her third child in 2021, the Japanese organization expert reflected on motherhood saying she had eased up on herself when it came to tidying Just after my older daughter was born, I felt unable to forgive myself for not being able to manage my life as I had before, but with time, I eased up on myself. Then after I gave birth to my second daughter, I let go of my need for perfection altogether. I'm busier than ever after having my third child, Mm -hmm. so I've grown to accept that I cannot tidy every day, and that's okay. She says, my home is messy, but the way I am spending my time is the right way for me at this time, at this stage of my life. And there has been such a reaction to this because she's the guru. She's the right. tiny one. You told all, me,
1: I looked up to you.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people felt like, oh, I'm trying to do this, but I'm falling short of Marie Kondo's standard. And one of the reasons that you would fall short is because you have a bunch of kids who are junking up your house and you can't keep uh, up that's with that. exactly
1: right. The kids is the big factor here.
0: It It is, it is. So a lot of people are sort of gleefully like, ha Marie Kondo, you're going down with the rest of <laughs> Become a slob like us, yeah. because people I think people I think had some some pent up frustration about Marie Kondo. I didn't realize she seems like a nice lady to me.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it was more resentment at yeah. her life versus their life. I'm willing to bet though that Marie Kondo at her messiest is still neater than my neatness. My oh, at, my house at its neatest. I bet she's
0: still very neat. Oh. My my friend Bethany Mandel wrote for Deseret News out in Utah. She wrote a piece about how messy her house is she has six kids she just had her six and that you know that in and of itself is sort of the stuff of life and that you yeah. you have a mess when you have young kids and they come with stuff and they come with needs and that that is that has a beauty of its own which i i think is true i
1: will i I will say this it, it, it you know when the kids are very small you know my parents were watching them kate and i went to new york had this fabulous dinner at per se which is thomas oh. keller's you know, restaurant. Yes, he a French laundry frame, and I and I I had interviewed him before, so I knew him and met him, and we did a tour of the kitchen with him. He's great. He was he, he was awesome, and and then he signed a menu for me. Right, he signed the menu at the end of the night, and he said, to Vic, and it had the whole lineup of everything we ate, and he just said, to Vic," it's all about finesse. Thomas Keller. I said, "Oh, that's so cool. I love it. I get it framed. I bring it home." Kate says. You know, sometimes it's not about finesse. Sometimes it's just about getting the food on the table for the kids. And it turns out she later told me she hated that frame menu, which is now tucked in the bar. It, it is was, not in the kitchen. It was, taunting her. It was Thomas, taunting her. Thomas Killer was lording his finesse over yes, her. Yes, yes, because it, and and I've, you know, if you see it, his kitchen, it is like OCD. You know, beyond I can't even explain how everything is so carefully measured and clean and quiet. But yeah, she, she, it turns out she hated that because, you know, you got to get stuff the kids need to be fed. Yeah, yeah. not finesse. No, it's no fine. finesse.
0: Let me say this. I, I think I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm actually, I, maybe I should write the, the, the contrarian piece on this and be like, y'all stop, y'all stop messing, delighting in Marie Kondo's fall from grace, okay? So here's my thought. I live in a home where we have the two spouses. One is very messy and one is very clean. I'm very messy. I have my own little space that is allowed to get messy. It's in this Mm -hmm. room that I'm sitting in right now. The rest of the house is kept very tidy. And it's kept very tidy because there is a system by which when you leave a room, you are tidying the room as you move on to your next activity. I never used to do this until I was married to my husband. At which point I realized, oh, it really does make it easier if you do a little bit at a time. At a time. Now, this does not apply to my space, which I leave totally junky because I have to have one outlet. But my mother used to say as a, when I was a kid, like, if you do a little bit every day, it's not so hard to clean up. And I was like, I do want to hear it. Turns out she was right. And what I will say is that I feel like having a neat-ish house, it's not perfect, but having this system... Although sometimes if we go too far, it can be stressful, which is I think what people are reacting to with Marie Kondo. But at its best, it does allow the family to operate more smoothly because we know where uniforms are. We know where homework is. We know where library books are. And mom even occasionally knows where her keys are before she needs to leave the house. So I just want to speak up for the mental health part and sort of organizational part of the condo method, it's not even the condo method, but the less stuff you have, the less chance you're going to be losing all of it.
1: Well, how about that?
0: I know. <laughs> it's, I know. It's,
1: it's, no, it's good. It's good. I got a call out. I got a okay. call out, which is a few listeners were chiming in about our cocktail discussion. Okay. Listeners, Robert Little saying, I really do. No joke. Try the chartreuse and and other things. Is like chartreuse California. the color of chartreuse? You know, there's two kinds. There's green and yellow. I've seen okay. green even at my local ABC. I have no idea about yellow. And cherry liqueur and other things like a 43, I don't have that. And then start substituting the liqueurs in for some of the sweet vermouth. I love my sweet vermouth. Okay. And another listener, Tom Abella, says, I should tune in. We should tune into a YouTube show by Anders Ericsson. Quote, he definitely does a lot of drinks with Benedictine maraschino liqueur, chartreuse kind of stuff that you mentioned. And even if you have sort of not as if, if it's sort of a startup bar, you're just getting started, it's it it's, it's great. But I, I do think you have to draw a line somewhere. Like, you know, <laughs> we're like Falernum, Orge. Right. I, right. I don't have that. I'm you don't sorry. have this. Agave syrup, I don't have that. Okay. That All wraps right. up another edition of Getting Hammered. You remember you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis.
0: I am at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can email us at hammered at nebulouspodcasts.com. Y'all take it easy on Marie Kondo. I'm going to go tidy a little bit of my office space. How does that sound? It's fine. <laughs> the The life, what is it? Life-changing magic of a sort of clean house. That's what I'm living in. All right. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.